March 11th, 2020. March 11th, 2020, 11 and a half weeks ago. That was the day that we as a church decided to go online. That was the day actually they announced my kids were not going to be going back to school after one more day. That was the day that the pandemic sort of hit my life. And if I'm honest, when it first kind of hit my life, it was a little bit exciting. It was difficult, but it was exciting. Like there was a lot of energy. I mean, here at the church, there was a lot of energy. We were meeting every day to try to figure out what we can do. And uh, we were trying to decide how do we go online and, and figuring that out. And it was exciting. We saw God moving in people's lives. And it was a lot of work, but it was exciting. And, and then about a month ago, you know, seven or eight weeks into this thing, I hit a little bit of a wall. I got tired. I was blah. And in fact, up until that time, you know, my kids kind of enjoyed school online. My kids are between the ages of sixth grade and 12th grade. And, uh, and early on, they liked doing school online. They were able to sleep in more and they were able to kind of do things at their own pace. And even them, even then, I saw something in them where all of a sudden now they were talking about how boring online school was. And so we in my family, we hit what I'm calling a pandemic funk. And it was just this sense of kind of blah, I don't want to go to work, I don't want to do schoolwork, I don't want to do that. And I knew it was a problem for me because I actually like going to work. In fact, I like working, I like doing my job. John knows that they kind of make fun of me around here for how much I like working. John actually did a parody song for my birthday on how much I work. And so I, I like going to work. So if I don't like going to work, if I don't like going to church and working, there's something wrong. And, and I found out I had just, I just hit this wall. And I wasn't sure what to do. And, 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 and so I did a few things. I, I was able to actually take a couple days off. I figured out how to take a couple days off. And I did some stuff outside. I went on a seven and a half mile hike on the beach with my wife. That was nice. And did a few things. But one of the things that really helped me is I actually did a study on the life of Joseph in the Bible. And I did a study on his life. And what I found is that I could take things from his life and apply it to my life. And so that's what we're going to do for this week and the next couple of weeks. We are actually going to do a sermon series called Better Than Normal. And the reason it's called Better Than Normal is because when we look at Joseph's life, Joseph actually went through these just crazy crises in his life. But he came out of those crises in a better situation than it was before the crisis. He actually ended better than normal. And I actually believe that God wants us to come through this pandemic and possibly end it in a better place than we started. I believe that God wants us to emerge, not just kind of going back to normal, but actually better than normal. So if you're in a pandemic funk right now or you know, you're struggling, I, I pray that this series will help you get to that next stage in your life. And for the rest of us who kind of want to go back to normal, our prayer is that God actually moves us to a position where we're better than normal. Let me pray just before we jump into the story of Joseph. God, I pray that you will help us. Help us to understand that you're with us. And, and like Joseph, you, you want us to prosper and you can take us to a place where we are better than normal. So just guide us, prepare our hearts as we study the life of Joseph, Joseph and open up scripture right now. So 
I need to uh, introduce a little bit about Joseph for you. Now, Joseph is, is famous. Most people, even around, when they hear of Joseph, there is one thing that Joseph is very famous for. Band, what is Joseph famous for? His coat. His coat. Right? Joseph has a coat of many colors. That's what he's famous for. And the reason he's so famous for that coat is actually because it's a symbol of, in many ways, what was wrong with his family and the dysfunction that he lived in. Let, let, just, let me just give you an, a little background on Joseph's family. And if you think your family is messed up, if you think your family is dysfunctional, just listen to a little bit about Joseph's, fam, uh, Joseph's family. Let's, let's start with his parents, all right? Uh, Joseph's dad is a guy named Jacob. Sometimes he's also called Israel. His name was changed at one point. So Jacob, uh, early on, fell in love with a woman. He saw this woman and he was so head over heels in love. He went to the woman's dad and said, hey, I, I want to marry this woman. Her name was Rachel. And said, I want to marry her so bad. What do I have to do? And the dad of Rachel said, okay, you have to work for me for seven years and then you can marry my daughter, Rachel. So Jacob worked for seven years so that he could marry the love of his life. And on his wedding day, he was tricked by his father-in-law and ended up marrying the older sister of the woman he loved. So Jacob went to the dad again, went to the father of Rachel and said, I, I, I still want to marry Rachel. What can I do? And the dad said, work for another seven years. So Jacob did that, worked for another seven years, married both Leah, the older sister, and Rachel. And Jacob always liked Rachel best. He was the, she was the wife he liked best. And he had children with the older sister, but Rachel couldn't have children. And she was kind of shamed because of it. Finally, Rachel had a son, and that son was Joseph. So Joseph was the son of Jacob's favored wife. And because of that, Jacob loved Joseph more. That's where we get to this fancy coat. Jacob gave his son Joseph a fancy coat as a symbol that I like you better than your older brothers. And in fact, we know that because the coat is said to have many colors and dye was actually very, very expensive. So to have a coat with multiple colors meant it was expensive. We're also told that the coat was a long sleeve coat, went all the way down to the wrist. It also was long and went down to his ankles. And what that meant is you can't wear that when you're working. And so we'll see that Joseph actually didn't have to work as much as his older brothers. And so this is the family that Joseph was born into. And, and I haven't gotten to even some of the crazier stuff about his family. For instance, there's an episode where Joseph's sister tragically gets raped and his brothers actually kill the entire village, the men that perpetrated this. There's another episode where Joseph's oldest brother actually sleeps, sleeps with his stepmom. And I'm sorry for telling you these like kind of gross kind of things that happen, but it's just to let you know because you need to understand a little bit about Joseph's family to understand the story we're going to read this morning. That Joseph grew up in a family that was, that was just surrounded in deceit, jealousy, and revenge. That is the family that Joseph grew up in. That is the background of the story we're going to read right now as we jump into Genesis. Joseph's story is in Genesis from chapter 30 to chapter 50. We're not going to read that whole thing. We're going to just pick out a few episodes, and we're going to start by reading Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, verse 12, says this. Now Joseph's brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, or Jacob, that's Joseph's dad, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. 
Very well, he replied. So just, just to stop there for a second, um, we find out that Joseph's brothers are out working. All right, so they're out working. And Joseph gets sent out by his father to basically check up on the brothers. So again, he sent out the younger brother. He doesn't have to work. He sent out to kind of supervise the older brothers. The younger brother go out to supervise. Let's see what happens next. So Jacob said to his son, Joseph, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dotham. But they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness. But don't lay a hand on him, Reuben said. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So, just, just so we understand what's going on here. They see Joseph coming in the distance. They're off in the desert. And part of the reason they recognize it's him off in the distance is they can see his fancy, colorful coat. He's wearing them as they go out to meet him. And so they see him coming and they plot this idea, hey, let's kill him. And then the older person says, no, let's don't. But one thing we, we notice here is they call him a dreamer. And the reason they call him a dreamer is because Joseph, the younger brother, we'll find out later, he's 17 years old right now, has told his parents and his brothers that he had these dreams. And in these dreams, that the parents and the brothers actually bow down and are servants of him. So again, we have this younger, doesn't have to work, kind of cocky, spoiled younger brother coming out and the older brothers plot to kill him. Let's see what happens. Continuing, verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him and left him in the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices of balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take those to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So they see these merchants come and they have an idea. Oh, you know what? We can make money off our younger brother. We don't have to kill him. We can sell him. It was interesting, they, after they decided to kill him and threw him in to the hole, they decided to just go have lunch. Like, again, it just kind of shows you the dis dysfunction of the brothers, the dysfunction of this family. So Joseph gets sold off into slavery, into Egypt. And again, he's a 17-year-old kid, a spoiled kid, kind of a cocky kid, gets sold off into slavery. He's from a dysfunctional family of deceit, of revenge. Like, imagine if you were one of these. Imagine if you're a 17-year-old kid. Imagine any 17-year-old kid you know who gets sold off into slavery, doesn't know the language, doesn't, how would they react? 
I, I mean, the, the only thing I can think of is they would be just grumpy. I mean, my, my teenage kids, I have a hard time getting them to work, and they're pretty decent kids. You know, I can imagine he would have been grumpy. He would have been bitter. He would have been plotting revenge against his brothers. I mean, it, it, that's how a normal 17-year-old kid would respond. Brant, uh, what, what, what were you like when you were 17 years old? <laughs> he said he wasn't good. I, uh, I, and you had a good family. I, I, I know your parents. They go to church here. You know, they usually usher right here during the 10 o'clock service. And, and, and you came up in a good family, and you were, you were a little crazy as a 17-year-old. You, uh, you know, did some things maybe you shouldn't have done. Like, I cannot imagine at 17 years old getting thrown into this crisis situation. So I just want to read one more passage of Genesis. We're going to jump ahead just a little bit to see what happens. To see what happens with Joseph when he gets thrown into this just horrible, crazy crisis situation. So jumping ahead, Genesis 39, verse 2. This is how the spoiled, cocky Joseph, 17-year-old, responds. It says this, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, the master, put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to Joseph's care everything he owned. Somehow, 17-year-old Joseph gets thrown into slavery and his response is that he works so hard and he is so respected by Potiphar, his master, that Potiphar says, hey, move into my house. Come live in my house. Come be in charge of everything I own. The fact that this spoiled, cocky 17-year-old tur kid turns into this blows my mind. I mean, to me, it's miraculous. And that's why studying Joseph's life can be so helpful to us. Because we can see how he handled being thrown into the crisis he was in. How he was thrown into this crisis and instead of crumbling, instead of it crushing him, he actually prospered. Well, that's what we're going to look at next week is how he prospered. It says he prospered because God was with him. And as a result, he became better than he was before. He returned better than normal, and that's what God can do for us. God can help us get better than normal. So how do we do that? Well, that's what the sermon series is about, and, and I want to end with what I think is the first step. It's the first step that we can take to help ourselves be better than normal. And if I'm honest, this passage in Genesis doesn't actually explain how Joseph did this. We don't actually have many details. We don't actually know how long it was from the time when he got sold into slavery till he became the head of Potiphar's household. And it doesn't really describe how Joseph went through what I'm going to describe. But we know that it's an essential step whenever we hit difficult situations, wherever we're thrown into crisis. And we actually see it talked about in other parts of the Bible as well. Uh, the first step of what we really need to do when we have a crisis, when we're in a, uh, just a tough situation, is we do need to grieve what we've lost. It is important to kind of realize what we have lost. For Joseph, he lost everything. I mean, he lost his family, his culture, his freedom. He, he lost everything. 
But for all of us, in the past 11 and a half weeks, we've lost some things. Some of us have lost major things. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost friends, loved ones, family members that we knew. But all of us have lost something. And the first step that we need to take is to grieve what we've lost. That's why Jesus actually said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's why the Bible says that God is with the brokenhearted. Because it's important to slow down and to realize that we've lost things. Now, I have to admit to you, this is not natural for me. I am not a person who grieves really at all. When I get thrown into a difficult situation, my natural tendency is to go into overdrive. I mean, literally just go into overdrive, start planning. Okay, how can we do that? that that's what I did 11 and a half weeks ago. I just, I just, okay, let's start playing. Okay, we can do this. All right, let's see. Our kids ministry can do this. The, the, the worship team can do this. You, you guys can, let, let, let's go. Okay, you go figure out a plan for this and then come tell me. And we got to make sure we decide on this by this date because we're going to record here. That was my response when the pandemic hit. And so when I got into that kind of funk I was in, right, when I hit my pandemic funk, I had to realize I, I got to stop. I got to slow down for a second. I had to realize that it's okay for me to be tired. I mean, it's okay. Like, it's okay for me to feel like I, I don't want to do stuff right now. I had never even stopped to contemplate what I've lost. Part of that was because in my mind, I hadn't lost that much. I still had a job. In fact, I had an important job, and my job required even more of me, so I, I felt like I didn't lose much. I, I felt like I didn't really lose much at home. I mean, my kids were doing well. I lost a little bit. My, I wasn't going to get to see my son graduate. I, I missed going to some of the sporting events and band events that my kids were in, but I didn't feel like I had lost that much. I lost going on a couple of vacations. And in fact, I felt kind of guilty for feeling bad about that. Other people have lost big things, like me losing a vacation. Why, like, I, I almost felt guilty for recognizing those small losses. And I realized that that's, that's not healthy. What's healthy is taking time to actually realize, yeah, I've lost things. And even if they're small things, those are real things that I lost. And I realized I had lost my job that, as I knew it. I still had the same job, executive pastor of Black Rock Church. But before, my job was mainly trying to figure out how to grow and disciple and reach the thousands of people that were coming into our building. And we were working on plans for that. And it was exciting. And now all of a sudden, nobody's coming into our building. And so while I still had a job, my job was very different. And I had to realize it's okay. It's okay that I'm tired. It's okay that I had to grieve that a little bit. And so that's what I'm asking you today, is just take some time, grieve what you've lost. Now the beauty is, for those of us who are Christians, who know that God is with us, and know that God loves us, we can actually grieve with hope instead of grieving with despair. And that's the beauty of knowing who God is. We can grieve with hope. Grieve with hope doesn't mean we don't acknowledge that we've lost things. But we know that God is with us, and we know that God is for us and we know that God is working on our behalf. So even while we take time to recognize what we've lost, we can have hope because God is with us.
That's what I believe Joseph did. He ultimately had hope, even though he had lost everything. So I'm going to leave you with a little bit of homework. And if you're in a funk, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a little bit to do. Don't worry, it's very easy. Just a little bit of homework. I want you to do just four very simple things sometime this week. The first is, I would like you to write down what you've lost. I mean, literally get out a piece of paper and write down what you've lost. It can be big things, it can be small things, but take time, just stop. And take time to acknowledge what you've lost. And then I would ask you to reach out and actually talk to someone about it. I mean, if you'd like, if you're watching this service with people, you can discuss right now with them. But if you need to call somebody and just talk a little bit about, hey, man, this is what I lost during this, and, 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 and it's, I feel bad about it, just take some time, reach out and talk with someone. And then pray. I want you to pray for God's, to prepare you for your better normal. Ask God to replace these things that you've lost with things that will prepare you for your better normal. And then the last thing, the fourth thing, is to take this paper and destroy it some way. You can rip it up, you can burn it, however, just destroy it because God wants to release you from the things you've lost and prepare you for a better normal. And the band's going to sing one more song, and they're going to get ready for this song. And the song is called, As It Is in Heaven. And this is a beautiful song that talks about how God's in heaven, and God is totally in control, even if we don't feel like it. And that we know that someday we're going to be in heaven, and ever, all the rough things that we have in life will be taken care of. But right now, there can be things that are rough. But that God that's in heaven can be a part of us. And so I want you to just sing out in a hopeful grief of what you're going through right now and where God is going to take you. Let me pray. God, I do thank you. Man, I do thank you that you are with us. God, I, I thank you for how you were with Joseph, that you took this spoiled, cocky 17-year-old kid and you enabled him to prosper. You enabled him to have a life that was better than what he had imagined. I pray that you will help us. I will pray that you will help all of us realize that you're with us, that you're working in our lives. So as, you, as we sing these songs, God, I pray that you would just help us. Help us really accept that just the same God that is in heaven can be with us right now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
that's that's really awesome. Like just to think about the fact that the God who lives in heaven is with us and that God is in us right now. And that God is with us even if we're in some sort of a funk, God is with you. And as a church, we want to be with you during this time too. And so as I said, if you're newer here or just want to get connected, please click on the links below. Let us know. If you need prayer, maybe you need prayer for something going on in your life. Just email us. Email us at info at blackrock.org. We'll have somebody reach out to you and they can pray with you. And also, I just want you to know that the God who took Joseph from where he was to his better normal is with you right now. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Thank the band for being, being here. We're so glad that we can worship with you. One last thing I want to say, we're going to try something new during this sermon series. We're going to do something different. And that is that every Wednesday at 12 noon, you know, pack up a lunch, you're going to actually be able to ask me questions. Go live on Instagram and Facebook. And in fact, I'd love your questions right now. Any questions you have maybe about this series, about what God's doing, about Joseph, if you email those questions to info at blackrock.org and then uh, come live to Black Rock's Facebook or Instagram at 12 noon on Wednesday. I'll be chatting live with you there. So thanks so much for being with us. Know that God is with you, wants you to prosper. I look forward to seeing you next week as we delve into the next part of this sermon series. Have a great week.